Two Poor Bastards contains explicit content and drunken ramblings. Listener discretion is advised. which is uh, an experience to be had for sure. Yes. Uh, we're going to do something different. We're going to talk about a recent movie as opposed to something retro. We're going to go over our review of Ant-Man and Wasp and then the whiskey of the evening. And I don't, maybe I'm saying this right, but this is a, another gem. So it's from Abelor. Abelor. Abelora. Abelora? Is how, yeah, how okay. you say it from the, uh, the YouTube videos that I had to Abelora. watch about how to say it. Okay. And then this is the Abunada, and I'm butchering it. Abuna, I know for a fact. Something like something that. Something or another. So it's the cask strength uh, version. And we had talked about this before when we did the 16 year that we wanted, we'd be really interested to uh, crack into that and see what a higher proof would be for Avalor. So there's, uh, you know, as I've discovered Reddit and learned about things, about internet, I've learned about the internet over the last week. What is the internet? What is the internet? I've learned about it. And so there's some interesting things about this. Uh, we've pre-poured to let it breathe and to settle. Oh, there's some more fireworks. Uh, so that we could crack right into this. Kyle's not feeling so well yeah i do have to say that i've been sick the past few days so So i can't smell and taste as well as i'd like to right now i will have to be your smell and taste but i figured that if we're doing a cask strength version the extra you know zazz that it brings (laughs) would be better so it's gonna probably be a little bit shorter of an episode I hope for Kyle's sake because I don't sick want to torture. Boy. Sick boy over there needs to get back to bed. And the sacrifice, I am so proud of you. The sacrifice to be timely with this podcast is absolutely For amazing. the show. For the show. You sacrifice a lot of things. So, I wish uh, I could sacrifice what myself. Is- <laughs> sacrifice yourself. So get into the uh, your piece on that and... So um, I I am sure I probably had mentioned this before on the 16-year review, but uh, this guy here, like Eric said, cask strength. So supposedly it comes right out of the barrel and no water is added. It's non-chill filtered or anything. So what does chill filtered even mean? uh, They filter out the bad shit. Okay. Or bits. If there's any bits in there. Ooh, I like the bits though. So, so chewy. <laughs> could be a little, give me some bits in there. I'm for that. Um, <clears throat> uh, this particular one is non age stated, so we don't know how old the juice is in this bottle, but I mean, supposedly it's aged to, you know, what they deem is the right amount, air quotation marks. Um, so it's, 
probably less than 12 years is what you're saying. It, it could be. It could be older. Um, it could be, well, it could be really anything. They could have taken some uh, barrels that were 20 years old and added them to some barrels that were seven years old or something like sure. that. I mean, but it's, they make it in batches, so it's X amount of barrels go into it, and whatever they mix up and become, that's what the proof is. So the particular alcohol content on this guy is 60.8%. So yeah. we're going to 121 point some odd shit yep. for so the proof. Level it's, a, it's a little less than the Elijah Craig, actually, isn't it? Uh, yeah, about... Okay. Uh, 10% or so less for alcohol content. That's interesting. Because the, the Elijah Craig, that was right on the cusp of 70%. Yeah. So that I was tell. that was some fierce shit. <laughs> so thinking about that, that's pretty cool. I mean, 70% of that in your glass is alcohol, and the other 30% is water, when most everything you're going to have is going to have way more water content yeah, way than more. that. Yeah, that it was definitely an experience. <clears throat> Uh, but I liked it. That Elijah Craig is delicious. It's fiery. It's fiery, but it's smooth at the same time. S- smooth, <laughs> smooth. Tight, the, smooth. The universal approval word <laughs> for a good whiskey is smooth. You know, I love how I said, like, I don't like when people say that, but now that's like our thing. Ooh, this is smooth. I really like that. <laughs> I really... Smooth. <laughs> Ooh. Because I don't have other adjectives to use to describe this. It's uh, when it goes down. I mean, it's just like it's really <clears throat> soft, velvety, and yeah. soft, and I, yeah, just slick. Uh, so a little, I guess, a little bit more. Obviously, this is from the Abalora. Abalora. How that's spelt and how it's pronounced, I do not. That's I, it's a cognitive dissonance to me. Well, you know, this is going to be a problem going forward as we start to review more scotches. They've all got crazy fucking names, and yes, there's you do. say them completely different than how they're spelled. Yes, at least they're not Welsh. Welsh, Welsh names, I can't like forget about it. So when I was looking up YouTube videos of how to say the name of the distillery on YouTube, I had to find a video that an American made because I couldn't understand what the Scottish person was saying (laughs) for the Scotch name of this. I was like, what the fuck? shit. So again, so it's a no age statement sort of situation. Uh, each batch carrying a unique number on its label. Each batch. This is batch sixty-seven, by the is way. Is blended from barrels ranging from five to twenty-five years old. Okay, so I wasn't too far off. So on there that. you are. Yeah. So Abanada is exclusively aged in Spanish oak Oloroso sherry butts, and then obviously it's not chill filtered. A, a butt is also a fancy word for a barrel. I think it's of a certain size, though, too. Not like a standard 55-gallon one. Shit, there you go. I had no idea. The name Abunada is described as the Scottish Gaelic for the original, though it is possible of a misspelling of Am Bunada, meaning the origin. Again, apologies if we're murdering these words. Yeah, we're. I'm not even going to pretend like it is. So what's interesting is what it looks like 
uh, is that as from 1997 all the way upwards, the, the proof has actually increased slightly over the years. So first run, 59, sorry, no, 59.6. So each year there's a little bit of a variation of the, of the actual proof. And then it's just kind of gotten up to and stayed around 60. Although 2016 was 61.2%. So that's pretty. So that was one batch for a whole year. Yeah. Or no, no, that can't be right. If it was since 97 and we're on. Yeah, it's 2016. Batch 61. Batch 61, not 67. Yeah, so this was batch. So batch 56 was 61.2. I don't know. That's all pretty close to each other. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a slight variation. It's it's some strong juice overall at the end of the day. So let's... Uh, I'm really curious how you're going to handle this. Yeah, we'll Mr. see. Sick I might Boy. get extra coffee. Um, you might... I took a smell of it earlier before we started the show here, and I did have a pretty big coughing fit. So people are probably going to think that this is a, a show about smoking weed with how, how much coughing you're going to do. <laughs> I'm not. And this is not normally, I do not cough from smelling a high-proof whiskey. I'm pretty seasoned when it comes to drinking this and smelling this stuff, so... We'll see. Like we said, we've let it we've let it breathe a little bit. We got it in the Glen Cairns again, so it's gonna funnel this goodness straight up into her nose. Oh yeah. Now with this, I already I sense a little bit more <coughs> wood tones in this and a little less sherry tones. I remember when we did the sixteen year, that was like an overwhelming shot of wine. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit I'm getting like dried a- apricot right now. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I, a little bit of fruit. That's mainly what I'm getting. I mean, I can, I can feel the higher alcohol content, but I'm not with my stuffed up nose. I'm not really able to pick out much more. It definitely has a a fruity body mm-hmm. yeah we can definitely tell i mean from what we have heard the sherry aspect of this one is supposed to stick out a little bit more than the others and going from the 12 to the 16 the 16 definitely had a little bit more than the 12 for sure but let's uh <clears throat> since i'm i'm no good here in the smell zone right now i think we might as well go ahead and take a sip yeah it's just a sip Definitely getting, <clears throat> from what I can tell, a little more of the wood tannin notes in it. Yes. It's a little more oaky. Yeah, I'm not it, the versus the sixteen year. This is not nearly as aromatic, and I mean it's as you said, dried apricots, but it's not. Like a punch to the nose. I'm definitely not getting the fruit punch kind of taste that we did get from the 16-year-old. And maybe you Mm -hmm. have a sweet cherry bottle, too. That could also be the scenario. Well, not with that, because, I mean, it's all blended together. It's not like it's a single barrel. Uh, Well, shit. 
Well, shit. <laughs> I'm getting something. I can't really put my finger on what I'm tasting in this. I And I don't know if it's because it's something really different that I'm getting out of it, or I just am sick. Well, you're definitely impaired, so there is that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm having a harder time describing what I'm what I'm tasting like there's definitely the fiery aspect of the proof right there mm-hmm. it's, so, like, it's a little hot I'm getting I mean not fruity is so much as the 16 year old but there's definitely something there I guess like the top I would say more like not citrusy fruit, but berry fruit, maybe. Yeah, so I, for me, like the first note would be the oak tannin, and then the fruit is like right underneath it. But as you said, it's berry, apricotish, and then it kind of finishes in a, a caramel. A little bit of baking spice, also, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little. Uh, Clovish. I was gonna say clove, cinnamony. Yeah. So it does have a complex. With this, it has more of a complex flavor profile, and you don't get hit really overtly with one thing or another. It kind of, as you drink it and and settle it, different notes pop up, but there's nothing like overwhelming except that heat hits you good mm-hmm. i'm surprised the finish on this isn't longer than what it is too it's kind of a shortish short-ish finish on it as well yeah. i really like to drink this when i'm not sick so i can get the full effect don't <clears> worry <throat> we will oh we will but i'm enjoying it right now it's killing all the bad stuff in the yeah. back of my throat I should have blasted some of this right when I felt my a little tingle in my throat when I was getting sick. Does it actually do anything, do you think? <laughs> Probably not, but Probably it would not. have enough of it. It'll make you feel better no matter what. But that's very true. Dealing with it the next day might not be as fun. Got a headache? Uh, a little bit of whiskey. <laughs> not feeling so good because of a cold? A little bit of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Your child is teething? A little bit of whiskey. For you. Yeah. Not the child. Not the child. <laughs> Although, my grandparents may have used it on me as a... As a I don't think that worked really well because like... What they do is you dab whiskey on your finger and then you rub it on the gums of the kid, the teething child, which would have been me. And that is what they use to numb. Because obviously, like you, you drink, your mouth is going numb. And this is how alcoholics are born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was not, I didn't, I, I was told I didn't consume it, just used it basically as a anesthetic. Cause I to, think that that would like, people, grown ass people don't like the taste of whiskey. So you're putting it in a kid's mouth. It's like when you're a kid, everything is way more intense. Well, I mean, if you think about like cough syrup, that is alcohol. Uh, I suppose. Right? Robitussin had oh, that. Tussin? Tussin will fix everything. <laughs> yes, it will. You run out of it, pour a little water in the bottle, <laughs> shake it up, you got some more. Do some robo-tripping. Unfortunately, I think they took the component out of it that you could abuse and hallucinate on. I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
I bet even if they did, I'm sure people still try and do it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like people drink, uh, certain desperate people drink trucker urine to get the methamphetamine. Do you remember hearing about that a long time ago? (laughs) What? Yeah. So This sounds like a completely insane story. Like going to find the pee bottles on the side of the road that the truckers are on? So when meth really really had a strangle and I, maybe it still does you hear about a lot less I someone chime in with meth statistics for yeah, us please get get us some meth statistics but i remember that the way some... you said that was like get us some meth <laughs> statistics i don't actually want meth i'm not interested i want some numbers <laughs> give us the numbers let's do some number munching here yeah i love number munching so uh i it's very enjoyable. I, I'm not impaired. Uh, I'm just surprised it's not as as. I, I hope we're talking punch. about the whiskey and not the trucker urine that you were going to say something about. Oh, okay. I will. I'll hit back. <laughs> Sorry. I got, I digress. I'll go back to it. So anyways, part of the things they're talking about, like people that are in the throes of, of meth addiction. And this, again, this is allegedly, is that there were was trucker, trucker speed, excuse me. And... Your body barely passes through your body, and meth addicts would just go on the side of roads and drink trucker urine to get the basically the pass through trucker speed. Because, yeah, so before there's a law now that uh, over the road truck drivers can only be on the road for a certain amount of time before they have a long break. And so the reason why is that truckers would drive 24 hours straight cause accidents, get into accidents, fall asleep, die behind the wheel. I don't know if you remember, there was a a dude went into a diabetic coma while driving a truck, crashed off the 35W on-ramp and into a Home Depot parking lot. I thought you were going to say, like, this is Macho Man. <laughs> oh, he died. No. So, anyways, drugs are bad. That's the point. Don't drink trucker's urine. Don't drink trucker's Please. urine is the most important part. And uh, stick to alcohol if need be. It's plentiful. Uh, we're going to take a sip here. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm surprised with this that it's not as fruit punchy. That 16 year was like, boom. It really I just was. wanted to drink it all. This is much more of a sipping, like I don't have the urge to just down it. I wonder if we did some pussy shit, like add ice or water to this, that it would get to that point. I don't know. I'm really. I wouldn't do that. How dare you even <laughs> no. suggest such an evil thing? All right, so let's get into middle topics. So I want to talk about convergence. My first year, year season pro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was. Uh, it was certainly an event. So we were, well, you weren't so much. I was mild buzzed the entire time and then dipping into being drunk towards the end of. Yeah. So it was like the, the first day it, I, I was trying to hold a buzz for the day, but it just wasn't working out. And the second day. So that was Thursday. It was the first day, Friday, the second day. I worked hard and on you- it. And I, I, I got, I got drunk. <laughs> you succeeded in a way that I hadn't seen since last year, at least. Yeah, I got, 
I I only made two days of the four days <laughs> of yeah. The, so that's that's the alcohol portion. Uh, Thursday maintained a cool level profile. Friday, see, and here's what happened with Friday. What what was the key changer is we decided to get some extra flasks. So we had three flasks on us for all of Friday. Yeah. And we blasted through quite a bit of booze in a very short period of time. Yeah, we went through the two of us did we did a bottle and then and then another one. And we opened up and got into another one for one day. I mean, Thursday we went through a bottle between the two of us, but it didn't affect us really. Well, cuz it was over the course of the whole day. We blasted through almost two and a half bottles in a shorter period of time, I feel. It was a short period of time to go through quite a bit. So, anyways, we did it well. You made you uh, set a goal for yourself. You achieved it. I'm really proud of you for achieving it. You your know, goal. I really did, actually. <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> Mr. Coffee Boy. We should probably talk about what was going on there rather than how shitty we got there. Well, at least start with talking about that, and then we could talk yeah, about absolutely. how shitty we We're got. Gonna, we'll get into the the what it's all about so it is you know we've kind of talked about this the two previous episodes we kind of talked about the aspects of what it is and and you know what it's about so off the top we did we start with putting the con in consent was that the first panel we did you know i'm not sure if that was the very or did we do death note first death death note was early Boy, yeah. it's all it's all just a blur yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So we did. So we started out. We uh, we'll we'll say that the Death Note panel was the first one yeah. that we did. So surprisingly, not very many people. No, which surprised me. But then again, so most of convergence happens in the Hilton DoubleTree Hotel, and then next door there's a Sheraton Hotel where they have. Um, a few rooms for the panels, mostly the smaller ones that they don't expect many people to go to, I suppose. And then over at the Sheraton, they also have like live performance stuff, like a smaller concert area and then a commons area where they do comedy. And then all like the dealer stuff, all the people peddling their crap <laughs> that they're selling there, their space music or what have you. The space jams. Space jams. <laughs> Not to be confused with the movie. <laughs> no. Infinitely more exciting than the space music jam. Which is really far out. They were there. <laughs> so anyways, the Death Note panel was over in the Sheraton, so smaller one. So I guess they didn't expect many people to come, and there weren't that many people in there. There was maybe about 10 of us in I there. guess it was like two years too late, maybe? I, You know, I'm not really sure, but like uh, something as popular as Death Note, I would really expect more people to be there. But then again, last year... One of the panels I went to was for The Expanse, which I thought was a pretty cool show. And they had in, they had that in one of the larger panel rooms, and there weren't that many people either. So it was very surprising. Some, it, I don't know, it's crazy. Some things you think are going to be super popular, there's no one there. Some things that you think are kind of dumb and there won't be people there. Shit is filled up and there's people standing. So Death Note panel was interesting. Talked about some stuff. I maybe saw things in a different light than I had before. No, light. No pun intended <laughs> there. Didn't done. 
So, to be honest with you, I hadn't seen that series since it came out originally in Japan. So, I had a vague recollection of the overall arc and kind of the characters, but I forgot all of the details. So, I was I was a little bit lost in some of the nuances of, of whatever, mm-hmm. and including yourself, because you contributed to that well and then they were talking about the japanese live action films that were made and then the netflix special i had no idea so i i i did watch the netflix one because i was fucking morbidly curious about how bad it was and it was bad and uh it's funny they talked about like how the panelists the people running it were talking about how it had like this weird 80s music vibe in it which is Really funny because I had a friend who had submitted a song for it and it made it into the final run, but ultimately ended up not being in the movie. And like, that's his thing. He does like 80s inspired, like definitely American psycho inspired stuff. So it was funny that they had mentioned that. Um, I, on the other hand, I really like Death Note a lot, so I usually go through and watch the anime all the way through about once a year. It's one of the few things that I approve of that has come out anime-wise post-2000. Yeah, and see, I I watched it, I appreciated it, but I always, it's so hard because there's so much stuff coming out, it's hard to sometimes loop back around and revisit certain things. Like, there is... Like Akira, I revisit maybe twice a year, but and I gotta be honest with you, that's a movie I could probably never watch again because I've seen it just so many times, wow. so many times. Like it's coming, it's going to be playing in a theater. Yeah, thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, I think it's going to be playing it. Probably Roseville, maybe Roseville. I think. Really? Yes. Yeah. Anyways, and it's like. Uh, do I go see it in the theater again, even though I've seen it so many times and I've seen it in the theater before. And it's just like, I don't know how much is too much. I know. You know what? If you love it, there's never enough. Too I much mean, is never enough. I love it, but it's a real slow burn. I don't know if I could sit through it. It's in like a watching Blade again. Runner. I love that movie, but it's a fucking slow ass burn. So anywho's death note panel was, that was my first, Let's just say it was my first taste because, again, I don't remember if it was con and consent or that panel first. Uh, it gave me the taste, which was it. Number one, it's very much an interactive thing. They want oh, yeah. people. You know what our first panel was, and we actually left, was Spider-Man Homecoming. That's right. We just went in there to kill some time. And then we went to death. And then we, we did that. So yes. that was in one of the larger rooms, and that was my first experience, which was it's interactive. They, they're getting into, they're asking about motivations. Like one of the questions I remember was how do you feel that aunt may is so young and attractive? Like in the pants, how do I feel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there was some interesting, I find it fascinating what other people find fascinating, like what they points that they want to bring up or what's important to them, because obviously it's going to be probably different than mine. Yeah, and maybe I'd... some people are seeing the same shit that I'm seeing. Like, and that's what I find so fascinating about those panels is like, it's a compare and contrast scenario to 
something that you obviously you mutually love. So does someone read into something differently than you? Do they see a detail that you don't see? Are they irked by something that you like? So, but we got up, we're like, meh, kind of, I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming didn't like totally give me. I didn't watch it because I was like, fuck this. Wow. As a nerd, I'm surprised you could say that out loud. And I love Spider-Man. Yeah. I was just like, I'm. Spider-Man fatigued. Yes. There's too, too much Spider-Man going on right now. I never watched the middle. Whoever did the, who's the middle one, the middle actor between the, like the original 97 or. Fuck, I'm forgetting. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man and then the other, the middle dude. And then I skipped all. I, I skipped, don't know. There was, there's been three now. I thought there was yeah, only two. There's three. I see that. I, this shows what I know about this. That, yeah, this Jesus. is how Spider-Man fatigued I am that I was like fucking a while back. Well, I, you know, my biggest problem with Spider-Man ultimately is I think they just, they miss what makes the comics so good and interesting that. Like, I enjoyed the first couple. I feel like they make Peter Parker more of a bitch than he should be. Way more of a bitch. And just the villains. I, the first Again, the first two Sam Raimi ones, I like. They're definitely a certain tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't bother to watch the other dude. I don't even fucking know his name. I know he's he was in the social network. That's all I know. And then I watched Homecoming, which I enjoyed. Wait, it was that dude? Yeah. He played the dude... That was betrayed by Mark Zuckerberg in the social network. He played the co-founder. Well, whatever. Moving along. Moving along. Back. Anyways, so we we got sort of into that. We got up. We left. We did. We did as much leaving as we did staying in panels. I feel. Yeah, Thursday was really hit or miss. Yeah, and then so we did Death Note. We went through that. It was interesting. I liked that it, it felt comfortable. Uh, it was interactive. Mm-hmm. I felt that anyone that had anything to say, they were free to talk. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't one of those weird like somebody's holding the room and kind of bullying their opinion around. Like there, you had the opportunity to add, contribute. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. There are though. I do have to say there are definitely some panels where the panelists or like the main one, one of them, will just like fucking buffalo the whole thing and take it over and not let it's kind of like uh putting the con in consent so what i found so funny about that so that i think oh my god so yeah we went to one called con putting the con putting the consent in con or putting the con in consent something like that something along those lines and usually that's like the stuff for the really awkward people to go to and i might be a shitty person for saying this but (laughs) I like to to go to some of these just to see like if they turn into like a for real shit show. Like one of the years, it was like how to talk to people, like talk to the opposite sex or whatever at Convergence, and it was one of the ones that was completely packed. Like people were standing and sitting in the aisles and stuff like that, and. Like how do I flirt? What do we do with like, my hands? Really socially inept people were asking like the most ridiculous questions that were off the wall, and it was unbelievable and entertaining all at the same time. So I'm like, well, these are weird ones. Maybe that'll be the same. But this one was definitely not that. For one, it wasn't full. There was very few people in there. Right. <clears throat> you had one person 
who definitely it was their first panel. So like when they were talking, they had their hands in front of their face in front of the microphone. Yeah. So just imagine if we were trying to do a show and we just like put our hand in front of them. I just like literally put my hand in front of the microphone. <laughs> imagine if we did that every time we had something to say. It's yeah. like I've got a friend who when he's eating and he wants to talk to me, he does that. So not only does he try and talk to me with a mouthful of food, but he also puts his hand in front of his mouth. And then I really can't understand what he's fucking saying. And that just drives me up the fucking wall even more. Jesus. Some fucking people. Enough of my rant there. Enough of that shit. You're too you got a lot of problems with people and their eating habits. God damn it. They just need to stop eating. So. Or being people. Yeah, that's fine. They can do that. So there was there was a diverse range of people. But guess who the, the most well-spoken showboat if you will of the whole fucking panel was it was a white dude it was a handsome ass like normal cis white dude. yeah who had the most opinions about every everything to be fair i think he was a a love advice columnist yeah he, Dr. Had, his, he has his own show love i don't know if he's actually i didn't do any research afterwards <laughs> Might not actually be a doctor but who knows who knows he goes by dr nerd love he was the most well-spoken and opinionated of the group, which is a little unfortunate, but it's fine. And I, I, what I didn't get anything. They basically they just talked about terms like affirmative consent, implied consent, and just kind of went over those very basic and you know to some socially awkward, semi gropy people that might be you, you know for how disappointed i was in it and not being the train wreck that i hoped it for there was some good information in it and it like when you think of consent you just think like people banging but no there are some other aspects that you didn't think about like yeah. if you want to take photographs with people at the con so that's that's something that you know you might not normally think of so i thought that at least that was a pretty good takeaway from that yeah. one because I, for one, don't want anybody taking my fucking picture, whether Ever, I'm dressed up reason. or not. So <laughs> that I could appreciate. Yeah. Ask permission. And if they say no, it's a no and not a yes. Yeah. Don't just like go around snapping pictures of people. Yeah. That, that's some pervy stuff. So, uh, but we didn't stay through that. No, we got we, the fuck out of there because the we were out. tired of that. Yeah. It w- and again, to me, it's a little disappointing that it's the white dude who had the most to say. Like, he's not a cosplayer. He's not a a, a woman. He's not, you know. So the perspective, I was a little disappointed. Like, shut up, dude. Yes, you're well spoken, but let's let other people talk. And, you know what? But- I don't think the person who is sitting, like, as we were looking at him, the person sitting to the left of him i don't think that person said anything yeah i'm pretty sure like there was three people that talked yeah and there was was like five people up there the moderator the the one who put their hands in front of their face dr nerd love and maybe one other and there was like five or six up there total and anyway so that one was a little bit of a disappointment and then what did we were the drums on Thursday too? They did a little pre. Yeah, there was like a fifteen-minute uh, Tycho drum preview. Yeah, that was really awesome. 
that we waited we waited like 45 minutes for it to start and then it was just like <laughs> boop, right in the and snap done. it was done so that was impressive and it really filled those drums filled that that space and it was like yeah this is really some good stuff uh we went through the art room or no was it the the, the so there is in at convergence there is a room where people can sell things that they make artwork jewelry things like that and I like to peruse it every year because there's always some fantastic, like, crazy erotica in there. <laughs> and the best part is, it's this, like, it's almost the same stuff every year. Like, the same person's trying to sell the same, like, cock-ringed horseman. Yeah, that's, that's... Every year. Oh, my God. That, like, I... I and unfortunately, they have a strict no-pictures policy. Which uh, was a little disappointing, but yeah, the the centaur who is anatomically correct with an embroidered cock ring, looking very seductive. Uh, I I found that supremely entertaining. And I like how some of the pieces had like censorship like stuff over them, but, but some of it was just like right full, out there, full cock, right there, full, full ringed cock, full ringed centaur cock, just out there for you. They all had cock Like, that person must really like cock rings. And it's like, is it for a door? Like, I had questions, and there wasn't anyone there to answer those questions. Like, non-erect me. cock rings. To, like, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to think about it too hard. Because I just now thought about that. After seeing this same shit for years. <laughs> but there, you know, and the artwork ranged from... Very rudimentary to being legitimately pretty. There were some pretty impressive things there. The Some of the subject matter might not be up my alley, but I can appreciate the talent that went into it, definitely. There's always something there to see. Absolutely. So that was fun. I, I liked seeing that. And, you know, it was kind of like Etsy in real life. Oh, totally. For sure. That's exactly what it was. Because there was also like trinkets and jewelry. and Yeah. I mean, you can get fancy ass notebooks and stuff there too. Yeah. You can get your death note notebook right there. Legit death note. Does this work for real? No. (laughs) uh, Not worth 20 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. This does not get my money. I vote no. Uh, Oh, God. What else? Oh, we went to dealing with anxiety. But that was that Friday? (sighs) Ah. That was Friday. No, was it? Yeah. God, I can't even tell. That was earlier, because on Friday, we went in a little bit later, I think, like 3 o'clock-ish. Yeah. And I think that was one of the first things we hit. I think we went, Friday we went in, and that was like the first thing we hit. And that was a, it wasn't a train wreck, but to me, so it was dealing with anxiety at convergence or at conventions what was that do you remember what the title i I think it was specifically at convergence so again as a panel of five or six people and what it seemed like to me was like a bunch of people who were in therapy and their therapist said you have to give a presentation in front of a group of people definitely not what i expected of the panelists Mm. i expected the panelists to be some like alpha chad People being like, you need to get out there and like put yourself out and deal with this. But it was like people up there telling sad stories, and it was yeah. really fucking bumming me out. Yeah, it was it was a tough thing to th- sit through, and people were just like, 
I'm on medication right now to even get through this. And you're like, whoa, this is this is getting serious. It was whoa. a bit too heavy for me to handle. Yeah, I you know, I appreciate that anxiety is a, is a a legit deal to deal with, and and that's it's a hard, but like. Every single one of those panelists were like, I'm on some sort of medication right now. And they sounded legitimately terrified. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I deal with anxiety plenty, but who? Yeah. So that was rough. It was, it, it, it's more like, it, it's not rough because I'm a callous asshole. because I, I felt for these people. Like I felt legitimately like, Oh my God, like that's good for you for doing it. It's impressive, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't necessarily come here to be part of your support group to like my interpretation was it was supposed to be advice to help other us, people yeah. get through these things, not us supporting them getting through their anxiety. Right. I, the panel was reversed and somehow the audience became the panel members exactly. and the panel members became the audience. So that one was a, as a, was fairly diverse group of people. So I, I think that was cool. A whole bunch of uh, different opinions and perspectives. So, but again, it was too heavy. I was not going there to get into some heavy shit. I was going there to be entertained as shallow as that fucking sounds. Uh, so then after that, we went into an Ash versus the Evil Dead panel. Which was, I have to say, the most enjoyable panel that we went to all we I got there. fucking riled up in that shit. Yes, that was a good one. So I that was the first time that I had participated in a in a panel. I like that. I like that you got in there. Yeah, because I had some opinions and I got I got into I would say like a tiff, but definitely like me and the moderator did not necessarily see eye to eye in some of the character development of Ash series versus the movie she said i was romanticizing him which i got a little pissed (laughs) i wouldn't be mad at that (laughs) i'd romanticize ash (laughs) so but that was fun though it's like you know like kind of called me on my shit and you know it it felt totally like a great environment to have that passionate dialogue about something really nerdy right i almost flipped my shit too so when i added my thing at the end i was like wait a minute you're all trashing the back half of the series. Which I had no qualms with. But there was a huge change in all the writers and everything. So Yeah. And nobody said anything about that. They were just like, the back half wasn't good. Oh. Yeah, so... I, I'm in the butt. In the butt. <laughs> I'm in the butt. <laughs> so... But that was fun. Getting in and talking about you know what you loved about the series... Versus the movies, what you would have liked to see go differently. I'm really surprised when they asked who liked Army of Darkness more than Evil Dead 2. Usually, I find more people like Army of Darkness more. I don't. I like Evil Dead 2 more. Yeah, I like Evil Dead 2 more. And most people who were there at the panel did agree. Yeah. They like Evil Dead 2 more. Yeah, I think there is... The people that were there... Immediately, there's probably people are like, I'm not listening to this anymore. (laughs) He didn't like Army of Darkness best. I enjoyed Army of Darkness, but it almost seemed like a movie in an alternate 
Evil Dead universe where it was more of a comedy and Three Stooges. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it was. It, yeah, literally what it was. So I enjoy it for what it was, but I don't. Evil Dead Two is always in my heart as the as the best. And like they kept forgetting, like Evil Dead Two is actually Evil Dead Three. And you know we got and that's the fun thing you got into the weeds with all the specifics of that franchise, right. and that's really what that whole the whole thing was. All the panels, all the things is really digging into the guts. You get of, that, and then you get like opinions and other ideas that you may have never even thought of before. So absolutely, totally shines a new light on some aspect of what you're interested in, and that you know can reinvigorate your interest in it again. Absolutely, see it in a different light. I you know we did. We did miss a lot of things. We missed the Blade retrospective. Very sad. Mm, yes. I was looking forward to that. The 20th anniversary of Blade. Now, was that because it was on a Saturday? That was because it was Friday night, and we were at Vilification Tennis. It oh. happened at the same time. So, so unfortunately, like there are certain events that happen at Convergence that are later in the night and some of the more juicier panels also happen at the same time because of the content in them. So it creates, you know, a little problem. It's like, what do you want to see more? Do you want to see this thing or do you want to see this thing? So to be, you know, you wanted me to experience like the prime, like what it is to be at Convergence. So we went to uh, PowerPoint Karaoke and we went to Vilification Tennis. Yes. And then the night before, the first night there, Thursday night, we finished off with the um, erotic sci-fi reading. Yes. Oh, my <clears throat> God. I forgot about that. So Thursday night, erotic sci-fi reading. I'm surprised that these people don't have their own podcast. It does remind me a bit of the F+. The F+, Plus does a lot of the exact same things where they dig into the nethers of the internet and do sanic porn readings or wizard porn or erotic you know fiction so five uh, gold for an arcane hand job <laughs> <laughs> so they did they started off with minion erotica yeah which was terrible so there's i don't know six panelists i don't even know if you can really call them panelists but Six people up there doing the reading, and when one of them laughs at the story, they have to switch to the next person to start reading it. And then they have another person, a seventh person, drawing, like, real-time what's happening in the story. So that adds another element to it. And from what I remember, usually there's someone there, you know, doing sign language along with it as well, but they didn't have that this year. And sometimes, like with that and with Vilification Tennis, the people who sign it are often funnier than what's actually going <laughs> on. And that really adds to the show. But, yeah, this year at the, the erotic reading wasn't quite as good as the years before. I think that the panelists got a little too drunk, and that might have affected it. Because they were up there this like... Everyone was trying to yell over the other person and have something to say while they're trying to tell the story at the same time, too. <clears throat> so they started out with a Minions one that was highly disturbing and then finished it off with a story um, like a lesbian uh, centaur story, I believe it was. Oh, yeah. 
But the part that was really bothering me about the centaur one is that the person who was drawing in real time what was going on didn't quite know centaur anatomy. And as nerdy as that sound, it was really pissing me off. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like horse lower half, human upper half from the waist up. And their horse lower half was just basically human legs with a horse tail. And I was just like screaming in my head <laughs> the entire time. Like, that's not right. <laughs> that's not what this looks like. I just saw a picture of that earlier. Ah! It's like, yeah, go down to the art gallery Peruse the erotic stuff there, and you will know what a centaur looks like. <laughs> With a lovely adornment. Plus cockering. Plus cockering. Yeah, so that was really funny. I didn't mind that they got so drunk. Like, I thought that was really, like, it's kind of, to a greater degree, what we do. It's kind of an endurance contest sometimes of what we can get through and still be coherent, which we fail many times. Um so that was fun. It was very adult. It was very fun. There wasn't a huge amount of people there. There was, it, I would say it was about three quarters of the way full for the, and they, they had it in the, the main ballroom that the big shows are happening in. So it brought quite a few people in. Yeah. Especially for a Thursday night, because Thursdays are usually the slow days at uh, Convergence. Uh, so throughout the course of the, the day, we saw a lot of great cosplay. We saw some not so great cosplay. There's a lot of Kim Possibles. A lot of Kim Possibles there. Which is really strange. Isn't that show... Which worked out in your favor. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed all of those. Eric was a fan of the Kim Possible cosplayers. Didn't know what it was until I told him, but uh, he now appreciates it. (laughs) Yeah, now I know. I'm like, what are these redheaded women with these midriff shirts? And And cargo pants. Cargo pants. I really Who wears cargo pants? (laughs) I'm really digging this look. Who are these? Yeah, that was great. I'd have to say this is probably the weakest year I've ever seen as far as really good cosplay goes. Yeah, there were really... Because there's usually some shit that you're like, oh my god, this is incredible. How the fuck did it even happen? But then again, we did miss Saturday because someone got too drunk the night before. You know, and I got the sense that there was almost a air of like loss and transition because... That's the last year it's going to be held there. This is true. The alcohol policy. And it wasn't just the alcohol policy that was controversial. There was no food and beverages allowed into like the movie rooms. That's Yeah, that's right. Usually, so at Convergence, they have a, a room that's strictly dedicated for playing movies. And they play movies for 24 hours. So all day, all night. And in this room, they have popcorn and they have like tables that are usually laid out with all kinds of candy, snacks, all sorts of stuff. Wasn't any of that this year. Um, there's an area by the party rooms called Con Suite where they have food for people who are attending the convention to eat because, you know, we're busy, we're having fun. It's a convenience thing for all the members there. And typically the food items that they have there, you make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich for one room. Uh, They serve rice in another. And then the third room, my favorite one that I love to hit in the middle of the night, is the soup room. But this year, the soup room did not happen. So instead of serving soup... What they did was they had, like, packets of ramen that people could get, and they just added it to hot water, which 
ramen's cool. Don't get me wrong, but that's kind of lame. It's not the same as having like hot soup, like ready to go. Like you're going to see the soup Nazi. <laughs> And this year is no soup for you. Come back one year because next year we will have soup again. And it will be at a different location. It will be downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, it will be was at the... the Hyatt, I believe it is. Hyatt Regency or something. I'm I'm excited for that because there's an extra level of danger being downtown. Oh, man. All these nerds Ooh. thrust into downtown. I'm excited for that. So I definitely, coming out of it, number one, I enjoyed it. Number two, I want to do it again. Number three, we're going to be a part of it next year. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I've been talking with some of my friends about doing panels there, but we definitely like to do a, a live recording of the show as a panel Yeah, next year. That'd be fun. You come along, hang out with us, heckle us, whatever. Whatever <laughs> works we'll, for you, yeah. I, I can take it. Yeah. Uh, so there was some, and then there was what, Fifth Element. Mila Jovovich character. Yes, Lilu. Yeah. I got a picture, and I asked permission very kindly, very gently. And uh, she, her cosplay was spot on. It was great. Had and, the multi-pass and everything. And it was very accurate, let's just say that. It was a very good representation of the character. But you can cosplay anything you want with anything any body you type want, you want. Any want you, anything you want to do. If you want, it's, it's all cool. So... And there was Final Fantasy characters there. There was uh, Berserk. There was a there was a very young Guts there. Yeah, that <laughs> was, was pretty good. amazing. Uh, there was, and we didn't catch this, but I caught it on Instagram. It was a Stargate cosplay where they had like the oh, like the, the film, yes, the, the film Stargate one, and it film. had the head. Like it was fully articulated. That's fucking sweet. Yes, I did see that too. I didn't get to. I saw the dude without the full headpiece. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's Stargate. That's that's cool. And then I saw the picture. I'm like, fuck, I missed that because I thought it was pretty incredible, actually. Uh, Friday, we got we got tore up. Friday, we got tore up, but we got tore up du- during great events. Absolutely. So my very favorite thing that happens at Convergence is um, vilification tennis. And before vilification tennis, they have another thing called PowerPoint karaoke. And both of them sound nothing like what they actually are. So basically PowerPoint karaoke, um, a PowerPoint slideshow is prepared, and they have a person come up, and they decide whatever topic they're going to talk about, and they have to do it to these PowerPoint slides that they've never seen. So typically, hilarity ensues because it goes off the wall. Uh, Very entertaining. This year, it was all right. It wasn't the greatest. But um, then after that, vilification tennis, my favorite thing is they have teams of two people up on stage, and these teams of people take turns insulting the other team. And when one of them does an insult deemed worthy enough for a point, the referee will call a point. And whoever I believe gets to three points first or just has the best shit wins. And the stuff that they say is... Oh, shit. 
is wow. both either completely disgusting and off the wall or so nerdy in its reference that it's amazing <laughs> yeah. and disgusting off the wall while being nerdy as well. I will definitely say, like, there was at least a couple of times I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. There, there was one point that one of the people made a joke that did go over my head. But usually I, I'm pretty, you know, with it on the references. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel pretty good about my my nerd knowledge and my... I mean, there's a... Again, I didn't know who Kim Possible was, so there is that aspect. That's a little... The, the thing is, what I find funny is that you knew who she was, and that's a kid's show, and you could tell me what who that was hey man i know things (laughs) you know things i know a lot of things it's adorable so yeah and they they do not hold back as far as like there was a a transgendered person there and they were basically disparaging themselves to disparage another person (laughs) (laughs) that happens a lot oh man it's it's some really good stuff yeah I, i i almost want to try out to be able to do it but do you have do you have enough like insults in your repertoire to to get up there and do it? I I think I could do it. I feel like I could. To me, I'm a hit or miss. Like I like they don't. Th- none of this is like off the cuff, really. They I have seen some of these where they've recycled material. So right. And I suppose if you if you prep for it and whatnot, and that's the thing for me is like I would definitely have to prep for that, and I I couldn't do it off the cuff. There's certain things I'm, I mean, and really there is no topic that is off limits for no, this stuff. Go. So you can go just as low as you possibly can go, and that's what makes it great. So vilification tennis, and then we got incredibly drunk. Oh, we got so drunk afterwards. See, my favorite part of Convergence, I, I say it's vilification tennis, but my real favorite part is hanging out in the smoking area outside late at night. And the funny thing is, neither one of us smoke. No, we don't. But that's where everyone congregates late at night, because there's nothing else going on, really. And so we, your friends, they didn't show up this year, but they showed up Yeah, they one came night for Friday night. For Friday night, only in the smoking area. Yeah, and because, that's it. Because they didn't have, you know, a pass to get in and do anything else. So Con- Convergence is controversial because they don't sell day passes. Right. It's all or nothing with Convergence. So, And if you don't get your ticket early, I mean, if you get it really early, it's like 65 70 bucks. It might be more this coming year. But, like, at the door value pass is 125 bucks. Four days of entertainment isn't terrible, but to put a perspective, uh, Crypticon is coming up. It's same amount of time, and it's like fifty bucks. So, got to meet them. That was fun. They showed up at sort of half-ass cosplay. You know, usually they do like casual, casual cosplay, cosplay when they're at convergence because it's not like a dedicated anime convention, like. Kaylin usually goes all out for those like Ohio con, that kind of thing. She does a big dress up and they, people take pictures and all that. But since they were coming for one night and it was only for a little bit, I mean, I wouldn't bother going all out either. So I don't blame them. So we got to experience them and then you got emotional. Oh man, I got 
You loved a lot of people. I got really drunk. See, I'm not happy, and I'm actually kind of sad that I I don't get sad either. I'm always just mad. You're you're unipolar. So uh, uh, one of the people who I work with and a former person I used to work with showed up, (laughs) and they saw me, and they saw me, quote-unquote, happy, and they were telling people this oh, shit. Fuck. And I'm not happy about that. No. I can't let anybody know that I am capable of, of being happy. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but my mistake was not that I got drunk, was that I started accepting drinks from other people because I know my own limits when I'm drinking whiskey, but when it comes to other people giving me things that I don't normally drink, like beers and whatever else. I don't know. So I think that I I think and I'm going to blame that on me getting way too drunk on Friday night. It could have been the two and a half bottles that we went through before that. No, it couldn't have been. <laughs> so yeah, we were metabolizing that shit at a constant rate. It indeed. was <laughs> so yeah, there was definitely a lot of it was fun, met a lot of people, uh got in trouble, uh had a lot of alcohol just Fed, here's you know what and bless us we weren't roofied we no we weren't <laughs> we were not roofied so i feel you know like you got really shitty i cut myself off oh i did i wish oh man if i, I would have just was off. like i'm drinking my whiskey and i'm done with it and i'm gonna be done yeah and that's not what happened because it was wine and beer and coffee beer like someone handed you coffee beer at some point in time and you were like What's this? And you finished almost the whole damn thing. I hate coffee, too. Right. And you're not really a huge fan of beer, either. No, I don't like beer. So It's not whiskey. I know the, I know that you were pretty drunk when you were like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll drink this. So you got messy. Yeah, that's where all the fun is, though, smoking yeah. area, where you get to meet all the interesting people, and Indeed. you get to talk and make friends. Indeed. So we stayed till 5 o'clock in the morning that night god damn yeah i had no idea five o'clock in the morning we didn't get i didn't hit bed after taking care of you (laughs) 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 till six o'clock in the morning is when i actually finally went to bed so you were really shitty and we attempted we did go back but you were so shitty that we were in line to do the masquerade thing right so the masquerade is basically the uh cosplay contest on Saturday is at Convergence. So everyone gets to show off the costumes that they put all their hard work into. So I, I think if we had been able to make that one, we might have seen some impressive stuff that we didn't see the previous two days. I was definitely seeing some cosplay leading up to that, standing in line that I was I was pretty impressed with. And then I saw some people that I used to work with uh, and that I knew. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. It, some fellow nerds. So that was kind of Saturday. It was like Saturday was a bust. It totally was. And then you had a day to recover. We went back. I I got to see Marina Sirtis or Deanna Troy from Star Trek Star Trek Next Generation. Yes. And she is a lot smaller in real life than I had ever comprehended. She's itty bitty, like most actors. Yeah, like tiny, tiny, tiny person, but looks really good i mean like and i'm not gonna say like as attractiveness like she's aged or has done i don't know i missed it she was like two feet away from me 
I think there's just so much shit going on. It's not necessarily. I was your... probably still hung over the second day after, because <laughs> yeah. that was Sunday that we saw her. You saw her. Yeah, that I saw her. It. We stayed for the full drum set. Yes, on Sunday the Tycho drum uh, troupe did a full show. It was great. It was amazing. So they did some traditional uh, drum numbers, and then they did drum interpretations. Of some like geek theme songs, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It got kind of got silly. There was definitely one of the people in there that made me really happy. She was, ugh. <sighs> Wonder Woman instilled wonder. Yeah, Wonder Woman cosplay doing drum stuff. That was that got me going. That was pretty impressive. So we did that, and then we, we skedaddled, actually. That was it. I mean, there really isn't a whole lot going on Sunday. Sundays usually get your shit together and get out that was, kind of day. So That was the big to-do. So we went, we you know, ate, took care of some other stuff, and then we went and saw Ant-Man and Wasp. Yes, we did. So that's our that's the final piece to, the, to our show tonight. So uh, give me your... I was I, so Ant Man in Wasp. I was completely underwhelmed. Is <laughs> basically my whole feelings on it. Really, it, okay. it really the movie as a whole seemed like they were scraping what was left in the bottom of a pan to make a serving of food for someone who showed up for dinner without like letting anyone know they were gonna be there (laughs) they're like hey i showed up and they're like hey we don't really have much but i'll try and make something for you so specifically how so you you thought it was weak in story the the story seemed kind of shallow and like it was forced and or rushed to me compared to the first ant-man movie it just didn't have the same oomph that it did do you think you feel that way because the first Ant-Man movie was the first kind of entry into that world, so it seemed fresh, and then another outing into that world is not going to be as fresh? I don't know if it was quite that. Also, it felt like the comedy just was kind of forced, too. You know who was the real star of the show? And I don't know his name, but the guy who everybody loved from the first movie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the dude who shared a, a, a spoiler alert, the dude who shared a jail cell with Ant-Man. Yeah, I'll look that up for you real quick. Yeah, he, you know, once again, he uh, he shined through. Hold on. And you've got T.I. in the movie. Like, what's T.I. in the movie for? It's just to say he's got an acting credit to his name. I think they just... So, Michael Pena. 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 Yes. The standout star of the movie. Yeah, I definitely... So, you know, they're... I I have a lot of feelings about the movie. So... I I didn't mind. I felt like each Marvel movie is kind of a flavor of certain aspects of comic book lore or tone. And they kind of each hone in on, you know, like 
Doctor Strange is the the far out there sort of you know multi-dimensional trippy aspect, and now Thor has become comedic. I they fucking really hit the nail on the head yeah. with Ragnarok. Ragnarok is fucking tight. Uh, you know, so each movie kind of captures a particular comic book trope, if you will, and it tries to tell a story within that trope. And Ant Man is definitely by far the lightest in tone of all the Marvel movies. Like I think is the most comedic and most PG, I would say, of all of the uh, movies. I liked that Evangeline Lilly had more of a a role in it. But there's a lot there is like Walton Goggins was not used correctly in no. that movie at all for being for being the man for being Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. That just wasn't it he wasn't used appropriately. And you had Ghost and then Lawrence Fishburne's character who played Goliath, I think, in the comic books. Uh, there was there's just too much stuff, and they didn't need all this other. You had the FBI agent, which is kind of fun. I liked the fact that like there's sort of that love hate relationship between Paul Rudd's character and the FBI agent. Like, I love how he's like sort of bitter but confused, but then like sort of like that was interesting to me. But like, there's just too much. There's like Lawrence Fishburne and Ghost aspect then you've got michael douglas and evangeline lily and then you've got paul rudd and then you've got him trying to have a company then you have him trying to balance his family life and then you've got the fbi him being on house arrest and you've got goggins and you've got walton goggins there was a there was a definitely a lot going on it didn't need to be all of that stuff and i think it suffered a little bit because like his crew got a lot less screen time this go round than the first movie. So like it suffered because of that, that their crew dynamic was really like TI. Did he even say any words in that movie? I was just thinking that when I was talking about it, it was like, how how many speaking lines did he actually have? Not really. And it's like the fake Russian accent dude was talking all the time. Yeah. So there is that. And you know, and then the, father like stepfather to his daughter like had more of a pot like totally switched dynamic he was like the guy that was chasing after him in the first movie and now he's like in totally love with him and always him wants to and, get fucking hugs yeah hug machine hug machine just hugging him up so it, it was a little bit strange it's just too much stuff and then we get finally to the end we know that michelle pfeiffer is in this movie She's in it for like 3.5 seconds, it seems like, in that movie. Why? I feel like Lawrence Fishburne, Walton Goggins, and Michelle Pfeiffer are totally wasted in that movie. It's Very like, underutilized. There's too, like, there's too much going on to be able to focus on someone. And I, I think you could have peeled away two of those story elements and made a much tighter movie and been more impactful did i enjoy it absolutely i I went in i enjoyed it well i I guess i should say i was entertained so i'm not that much of a hater i'm just a little bit of a hater yeah just a little bit it's just like again it comes down to the fact that i have expectations everyone has expectations and you're trying to build like and i get i do not envy 
Marvel or Peyton Reed to try and have to weave this shit together. Because you've got to tie in... It's a sequel to a movie that you didn't write initially because it was Edgar Wright who did that started the movie. You took over halfway through production and then rushed right into a sequel. Then you have to tie into the larger Marvel universe in some sort of way. So it referenced... Uh, it's a, and again, spoiler alert, this is not a tie-in to the new Avengers movie. This is a tie-in to uh, Captain America Civil War. So that's that's where it falls in the timeline. It deals with the aftermath of Civil War. It doesn't deal with, in the main movie, what's happening in Avengers, if you've seen that. So, uh, and again, there's, there's, you don't get to spend a lot of time on anything. Any... There's a lot of good nuggets of, um, like, ideas of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to see. And I think they did a good job with Ghost. Like, I felt like her character, they sold that really well. That was, like, the best fleshed-out character in the movie that was fresh. And you kind of got to see the arc of why she is who she is and resolution, yada, yada, yada. Lawrence yeah, Fishburne. Yeah. There's your story right there. That's it. All that's, the story was that was that. And yeah, I thought she was good. The actress that played her, I thought, you know, like we could have got rid of, in fact, we could have gotten rid of the whole Walton Goggins thing completely out. Yep. Just had the FBI as being the foil. And then, you know, and Michael Douglas wasn't as much, in it, but I enjoyed like Michael Douglas kind of being the curmudgeon, grumpy ass dude, and I liked that at the end of it, like you kind of saw him be like really passionate, and not selfish. Like the whole movie in the first movie, he's built up as being this pompous, selfish asshole who's ruined everything in his life, ruined all yeah. the relationships in his life, as most people do. And uh, this cat, I swear. Everyone right now, you have to understand what's happening is that my cat is wanting attention and is getting right up in my face right now. Yeah, you're in the show now, kitty. You're in the show, cat. Good for you. You You know what my main takeaway from Ant-Man and Wasp was? What's that? The post credit scene. (laughs) Holy shit. And how... How, like... That the post two post credit scenes were so fucked up, like they threw me for a damn loop. So you have to stay through the movie. Spoiler alert: that's the first post credit scene ties into uh, Avengers: Infinity War and kind of sets up where he's going to be leading into the next Avengers movie. And again, you do all this world building, all of this tension, all of this this whole story. The whole point is. Number one, him getting off of house arrest. But number two, finding um, Hope Van Dyne's mom, Michael Douglas's or Hank Pym's wife, because she's they think she's alive. So the whole movement of this movie is about getting her back. And she comes back again. Three seconds seems like three seconds. Of the movie. Thirty years later. 30 years later. Not eating anything or drinking anything, yet still alive. There is a lot spoiler of... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. That's the part that bothered me the most out of this. It's like just watching it, it's just like, sure, I can suspend my disbelief for some things, but like that, I, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm too critical. But that's like, that seems like that's a common problem with any of these. Like, if I didn't have to eat or drink for 30 years, I would have so much money. Because <laughs> that's where most of my money you goes. You would be a rich person. You would be incredibly rich. I would be a hundredaire. <laughs> hey, don't sell yourself short. A 200-air. Thousand-air. Thousand-air. Wow. Yeah, you're right. So there is, you know, she's trapped in basically this quantum realm. So how is she sustaining herself? Because water molecules, food molecules, they don't exist. I suppose they're all too big for her to eat. (laughs) So So how do you live? That's a very good... Again, you're just... You're meant to say she survived, get the fuck over it, move on, let's move on to the yeah, next thing. Yeah, I know, I know. I, but it's a relevant point. I think it's, it is the most scientifically inaccurate of the Marvel movies. No, let's will. not even go down that path. Okay, let's not even. Anyways, <laughs> it's, <coughs> let's just say there's some magic that happens. There's magic. a whole can of worms. It's a whole can of worms. Part of Ant-Man and Wasp is magic. That's how shit gets ha- happens. Industrial in, light and magic. <laughs> yeah, industrial light and magic for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's one cognitive thing to me. And, and the whole like microverse thing seems really underwhelming comparative to the experiences of Doctor Strange and Thor. Like yeah. those movies were so far out there. So like the multiverse, like the shit that you saw with Doctor Strange, you're just like, what the fuck? And to kind of see the multiverse, it kind of seemed like they phoned it in a little bit. Like it was, it was a little underwhelming. They could have done a lot of things, and but then again, it seemed like it was a rushed movie. Like I think he went straight into production right after the first movie, so I I don't know. It's it's a serviceable movie. I like Paul Rudd. I think he's infinitely enjoyable to watch. There's a lot of really funny moments. When he's on screen, it's really funny. He's doing ridiculous shit as he does. Like, you know, when he's dancing or playing the drums or doing his stupid shit, like, it's good. He's doing his thing. He's doing his, he's doing uh, his Paul Rudd a, thing. I would be in a dad. Yeah. I'm just be being a, a little dad. I want to be a, a good daddy. Uh, again, Walton Goggins, totally underutilized. Uh, really. Is that because Quentin Tarantino didn't direct the movie? <sighs> it must be it. He's not unjustified or some shit. Imagine if he did a Marvel movie. Holy shit. Well, he's doing a new Star Trek. Seriously. Quentin Tarantino is in the process right now after... I feel like that movie's going to have too much talking in it already. As they do. As any Tarantino movie does. So that's a whole other thing. But yeah, he's attached to do a Star Trek movie to be his last by the way. Star Trek movie. A Star Trek movie. No, it his, be his last, last Star Trek movie. No, his last movie, period. I don't believe that for a second. Well, he he's, he's always said, apparently, that he's only going to do 10 movies, and that would be his 10th movie, because he's doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a movie about Sharon Tate and Charles Manson, and that's beginning. I think it's in production now. I want to believe that he's only going to do 10 movies that he does of his own movies. It's hard to say. Well, I who knows? I can't see him. Uh, whatever. Whatever. That's, that's not. I that's not what we're talking about right now. That's not what we're talking about. 
So we're talking about how unimpressed I was with Ant Man and Wasp. <laughs> but you know what? To be fair, you're typically pretty unimpressed, anyways. That's true. <laughs> so I'm, not, you know, again, I expect nothing, and I'm still disappointed. We went and saw Black Panther, and you were very underwhelmed. Yeah, I I was not. So to be fair, there's it. It, it takes us a very special kind of out there kind of aspect to get uh, you okay. going. Okay, so Marvel movies that I really enjoyed. Thor Ragnarok. Winter Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seen them all. Enjoyed Seen two them. of them. Yeah, it's like I kind of like the Iron Man ones, but I'm like a big Robert Downey Jr. fan. But then again, it's just like him being too much Robert Downey Jr. at some points. So. Yeah. yeah, I. It's it's hard to say. You know, whatever. I digress. So, uh, I think that's really. I you know, it's a serviceable movie. Ant Man. Yeah, Civil War. I like too. Yeah, Civil War is pretty tight. That's pretty. Yeah, they do. The Russo brothers do a good job. Now you saw Infinity War, right? Yeah. So it it could have been a, a wonderful, amazing movie, but the problem is, is they, there's too much shit going on. Like that could have been made into a series in reality with as much shit that's going on oh, yeah. to develop all of the... So you only have a certain amount of time to really invest in any of these characters, and they rely on all the other movies to sell... It is basically, Marvel is basically doing television on the big screen because all of these movies all tie into each other. And that's why I'm saying with, with Peyton Reed having a hard time, like you have a story that you're going to tell and then also you've got to tie into this larger world and it's affected by the world and, and you affect it. And there's a whole lot of maneuvering that to me in some ways would seem really constricting. But you know what? Taika Watiti did a fucking like Thor Ragnarok to me is like the most standout Marvel movie, period. I am totally with you on that. Like that movie is. I keep saying like, how did it get made? <laughs> I don't even under because it's such. It's such a specific kind of humor that I just don't even. Again, I don't understand how it was how it was made. Uh, so did you? So we talked about this a little bit. Did you hear about? The RoboCop news. Oh, I definitely heard about it. Holy I am shit. I am on fucking board. This is like every wish and hope. The only thing that would make it better is if Peter Weller was instantly confirmed to be RoboCop again. And then my life would be complete. And then I would be happy. So, uh, obviously what we're talking about is Neil Bloomkamp director of District 9, Elysium, and Chappie, is, has apparently signed on to do a... It's a sequel to the first RoboCop yes. movie. So, so this will technically be canon RoboCop 2. Yes. So that is extremely exciting because if you've seen how Neil does violence and how much we like violence... And how violent RoboCop is... It's extremely exciting. Now, you know, do we need to do, I, I mean. I mean, the only thing that would get me more excited than this is if Verhoeven was doing it. Right. Uh, you know, there's arguments. Do we need another RoboCop? 
I say yes. Well, to uh, we know. don't, but we want it. Well, we want it. We don't need it, but we want it. If it's done well, and I think, and I made a joke on Twitter, basically, it's like how long before Neil gets replaced? Because he was attached to do an Alien sequel. Yes, which that is the one that I wanted to see. And not That's what I wanted to see and what I wanted in the person I wanted to do it. And that didn't happen. So I, you know, maybe he has enough clout, maybe he has enough ability to stay on the project and do it. And just with the type of violence that he does, the messy, gory, wet kind of gore that he does, it's so perfect. I think, again, if you're saying if it's not Verhoeven, I think Neil, and just how he was talking about it too, just saying like the aspects of of what he enjoyed about the first movie gets me really excited about him doing the movie. Cause like, I feel that he really understands what made the first movie so good and so attractive that, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm really excited. I'm excited too. Here's the thing that I'm really wondering about is the robo suit. Will we go to the original look or will it change? I really fucking hope it's the original one. Yeah. It's timeless. It's a timeless design. And then Duncan Jones is doing a new comic book movie too. And it takes place in the dread world, the 2000 AD world. So he's doing, um, fuck. I have to to look it up. It's like a super soldier soldier 2000. I really just wish they'd make another Dread movie. Well, they're doing a TV series. Well, we'll see. I I agree. I agree. It's hard to say. So he's doing... So the movie that he's attached to and he's announced is Rogue Trooper. And it takes place in that world where this character discovers that he is a genetically altered super soldier. And he's got blue skin... I'm not terribly familiar with this. I don't know anything I'm, about I'm it. I'm hoping that it turns out to be good. I really like Moon. Uh, I liked Mute. I didn't see his other two movies. I Source Code and Warcraft. I just was like, I'm yeah, Moon was the only one I saw. Uh, Mute is on Netflix, so you can check that out. It's very much. It's it has a, a slightly altered carbon vibe to it in the in the sense that it takes place in this dystopian future that's where the similarities like end it's got alexander skarsgård in it so you know it's pretty decent i would say it's it's totally a a a serviceable movie it's not one of his best i think moon is like fuck yes yeah that's a great definitely but that's our show i think i i don't really have i just want to jump back quick oh to robocop uh, the original writers are on board, if I remember right. Yes. Okay. That is the, like, like the fifth, like, exciting thing about this. The original writers are on board, going off an original, based off an original screenplay that they had written after the first movie that wasn't done. That's super exciting. Yes. So there is a lot to be excited about. With There's the all the ingre- the right ingredients going into this. And hopefully they don't fuck it up. I mean, they're going to. But just how much are they going to fuck it up? <laughs> That's well, what- you never know. It could be great. 
It could be one of these movies that I go into, like Dread, where I expect nothing, and I come out completely blown away. Yeah, Dread was a fantastic fucking movie. I was so salty going into that, too, because I was like, this is the fucking raid. Just made by someone else. I mean, it kind of was, but in the best way possible. Yeah, and then as soon as the movie was over, I just leaned over to my friend. I was like, that movie was fucking awesome. Let's watch it again. Cool. Do you have anything else to add, sir? I do not. So sick, <laughs> sick boy made it through a actually a regular length episode. I am very proud of you. He's probably gonna have to take another day to recover from doing this. I gotta go back to work tomorrow. I'm out of sick time. Oh shitty. So until next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye.